there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Hope you're enjoying a flavorful brew of caffeinated ambrosia. I have been savoring the chicory-infused Café du Monde yet again today, and it has a wonderful full body, not bitter. It is great. I highly recommend it because it is time for another caffeinated career conversation. And I want you to be forewarned and get ready because this is going to be a supercharged discussion with my next guest, Vivek Wadwa. If you're one of the five people on this planet who haven't yet heard about or read any of Vivek's books or his regular columns in the Washington Post, then you are in for a treat. Vivek is a distinguished fellow at Harvard Law School and at Carnegie Mellon University's College of Engineering at Silicon Valley. Vivek, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? Well, you didn't get me a coffee, but I'm glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> next time. Next time. It's it's hard for me to do that virtually, but I probably should have thought of an Uber Eats kind of a thing. From a decade from now, we'll be able to 3D print it, so it'll be okay. You'll just be able to send it over the design, and I'll print it on my end, and then we'll be able to enjoy it together. But that's still a decade away, so in the meantime, let's make do. Okay, fantastic. So Vivek, we are going to dive right into the time for coffee espresso shots with the first question being, what entry level jobs are available to young people who are eager to break into the tech field, those who want to use tech to solve global problems? Go back a decade. If you wanted to uh, do something that would change the world, you had to join a big company or a government research lab and you'd have to work in big teams and, and then sweat it out for a decade or two until you rose up the ranks and someone would actually listen to you. Today, anyone anywhere can build a world-changing technology. This is something that has changed over the last three or four years. You know, if you look at my career, I literally worked up the ranks of, of information systems. I started off as a computer programmer, then I became a, a, an analyst, I became a manager, and then um, I you know, ended up developing some technology, which was pretty far out, and it led to me becoming an entrepreneur. But that process took about 20, 25 years. It was painful having to write code and work for people and put up with all the nonsense you have to put up with when uh, people who are not as smart or as, as, as motivated as you are simply hold you back. That's the business world. Today, you know, I tell my students that they don't have to take this long route anymore. They can come up with great ideas and change the world. And it's not in one technology. I mean, I grew up in computer software. It's almost in, in, it's in a whole range of technologies, everything from artificial intelligence to robotics to computer programming itself, editing existing plants and making them you know, uh, grow in, in the desert. I mean, all of these amazing types of technologies are now in the realm of anyone who wants to do them. Drones. I mean, go back a decade or two. Drones used to be what the U.S. military built to kill people in Afghanistan, right? I mean, that was, that's what drones are famous for. Today, you can snap together a drone for a few hundred dollars, and you can write software that, that navigates it around your neighborhood and delivers things. Or All these things can be done by anyone any, anywhere. So you don't have to go the long route anymore. You can now change the world on your own. So it sounds to me, Vivek, like you're saying that the entry-level jobs might be more in writing code? 
Yes, uh, and it, there's no harm in, in joining a big company for a couple of years to get your feet on the ground after you have uh, you know graduated and you want to acclimatize yourself to the business world. There's no harm in doing that. But most of the entry-level jobs right now in computer technology are working for, um, you know, either you can work for IT companies, the users, which means every large company now has a computer uh, department. You can join them and write systems there. Or you can join a technology company and move up the ranks. So you can either start off in, in writing code, doing doing you know design, or you can uh, get into quality assurance. Quality assurance, people don't realize, is a way of entering the tech field with relatively low skills. You can come into it from almost any field and get into a uh, you know a technology company, and then once you're in there, again you acclimatize and you start figuring out what you want to do, and then you move up the ranks. There are so many different options now. I mean, I wish I had all these options when I was younger. I would have saved 30 years and, <laughs> and done more You did okay. Here. You did okay. <laughs> what is a useful skill or skills that you have looked for in the people that you hire? Well, first of all, you need to know computer technology. Uh, whether you're an artist or a musician or whether you're a hardcore engineer, you need to learn about what's happening with technology. You need to be able to use computers. You need to be able to, you know, it's helpful to be able to write code. You don't have to because you can use apps that help you do that. But you need to understand what all of this is. And then think bigger. I mean, the things I teach, you know, I, in fact, I'd love for uh, the readers to read my book, Driver in the Driverless Car, How Our Technology Choices Will, will Make the Future, because it is a, um, it really is a 101 guide to a whole range of technologies. The things I talked about, everything from AI to robots, to um, uh, drones, to uh, synthetic biology, uh, you know, the whole range of technologies. I explain them so that anyone can understand them. Literally, I wrote it so that grandma could read it as well as junior. That was what my goal was in writing this book, to make it simple so anyone could understand it. It walks you through the core technologies and tells you where to look. It tells you where to gain knowledge. And, you know, my advice is go into whatever field you're interested in. Just learn about them. And, you know, my last Washington Post article a couple of weeks ago was about, the title of it was, Why the Arts and Humanities Are as Important as Engineering. What I talked about was that we need the musicians and the artists as much as we need the, the scientists and the engineers now because the single most valuable skill right now in the tech world is design and empathy, being able to understand what people need being able to develop products that they really, really want and which will help them, and then being able to design them in a way that they become marketable. So it's not one or the either. We need the artists and the musicians working hand in hand with the engineers. But to answer your question, we need to learn the core technologies. So everything from uh, the uh, the advances in computing to sensors to all of these things, we need to learn the core technologies and understand how anyone can now build these systems. Build them at home. Build a robot at home. I mean, you might be able to build the stuff of science fiction. Rosie from uh, from the Jetsons or, uh, you know, R2-D2 and 3CPO from Star Wars. We can build those things now. It's really becoming possible. Is someone's major a deciding factor to get into, again, where we're broadly defining your field as using technology to solve global problems? No, the major doesn't count anymore. The degree doesn't count anymore. It's really what you understand and what you learn that counts. Again, learn computing as a basic, you know, just like you learn reading and writing in English, you have to learn computer technology. You can't be computer literate anymore, no matter what field you're in. Now, beyond that, figure out all these other technologies I'm talking about and see what you're passionate about and, and you know, start building them, doing them. I mean, there's no reason why you can't, you know, start yourself and, and build these sensor-based devices. Try going and building a farm bot. You know, if you Google farm bot, F-A-R-M-B-O-T, 
You can buy all the parts necessary to build um, a, a farmer. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. A <laughs> device that, that goes and, and, and monitors crop growth and you know gives them uh, uh, water and so on. You can build that yourself. It's a few hundred dollars. You can buy all the components online. And then uh, you, you can build that and try it out yourself. You'll be, you know, people will be blown away with what they can do over here. They can also buy kits to create drones. You don't have to buy ready-made drones from the manufacturers. You know, Chris Anderson had uh, uh, a company, uh, th- I thought it was a 3D, uh, I just Googled Chris Anderson and, th- and, and drones, and you'll find his company, and you can buy all the parts for drones and build them yourself. AI, I mean, uh, computing, everything you need to do is available on the web right now. All of this, Andrea, happened in the last five years. Five years ago, if you were interviewing me, I wouldn't have been saying these things. Today, anyone, anywhere can build these amazing technologies because the cost has dropped exponentially and the knowledge is available freely on the web. So we can all do it. We can all build AI systems. You can also build machine learning systems. I mean, there are a whole bunch of courses available online which you can learn, learn how to build uh, AI algorithms. Basically, you know, if you wanted to build something that recognized faces or recognized books or recognized anything, you can train an AI to do that. And, and believe it or not, Andrea, you could do this. If I could find the kit to build someone to clean my house, I would build that robot for sure. I need that well, robot. <laughs> the listeners, the people who are listening to this, get a bunch of them together and, <laughs> and tell them what your needs are and inspire them to do this. They could build it for you. They could make my life so much happier right now. I would really appreciate that. Vivek, what about a graduate degree? How essential is that? In- okay, a bachelor's degree is like 101. You need to have it. When it comes to master's and PhDs, frankly, Andrea, this, I mean, I'm going to get into a lot of trouble with my bosses because if you, you know, look at my resume, I've been at Duke, Harvard, uh, Carnegie Mellon, uh, Berkeley, and, uh, and, and, and Stanford. Emory and Stanford, right? I've been at some of the most prestigious universities in the world, and I'm, a, I'm an academic. And what I tell people is that masters and PhDs are optional. They can gain the same knowledge they necessarily need to succeed in the business world anywhere. Get that bachelor's degree because it really gives you a, a basis because you know what to know. You, I mean, you learn uh, what to learn and you know where to find the information you need. But after that, you can learn uh, what you need to do in many, many different ways. I think there, are, there may be a lot of parents that are thanking you for sure. What about life experiences? What, in your opinion, are the most useful for someone starting out wanting to get into the tech to solve global problems field? We need old people as well as young people. We need engineer, We need musicians and artists as well as engineers and scientists. Everyone has a role in one form or the other, in one way or the other. And again, you have to figure out, you know, there's not one size fits all here. Everyone has different skills, different background. You've got to start learning the stuff I'm talking about and then figuring out where you can contribute. I can't answer that question easily because everyone is different. Everyone has different needs. I have a feeling this is going to be a 10-minute answer. (laughs) What is the best part for you of being in this line of work? The fact that I can teach, inspire, motivate, because, you know, we're now at a a junction. And and again, in the book, Driving the Driverless Car, I talked about how we now have the ability to create the amazing future of Star Trek. Not Star Wars, Star Trek. Star Trek, where everything was goody-good. We were exploring the world, and it it wasn't about making money. It was, you know, uh, uh, it was about exploration and uplifting humanity. We have the ability to create that amazing future. At the same time, 
We have the ability to create Mad Max, the dystopia where society was ripping itself apart and we were killing each other. Both of those are within sight right now. When I see some of the widening gap between the haves and the have-nots, between the left and the right, between the east and the west, I mean, you name it, we have a gap which is increasing between people of all over the world. This is because we don't, we haven't shared the prosperity, we haven't shared the knowledge. So we have the ability right now to steer humanity in the direction of, of Star Trek and to uplift it. So what motivates me now is to teach people how to use technology for good. How can you now use it to create the future of Star Trek? Because I see Star Trek being possible roughly 300 years ahead of schedule. Star Trek was set 350 years in the future. I can see us getting there, everything from the space exploration to now having an abundance of everything so that everyone has everything they need, to us working together, the Federation of Planets, all of these things could happen in the next 30 or 40 years if we make the right choices. You've already alluded to this with the Mad Max and dystopia, but what for you in this current profession, again, very broadly, is kind of, I say in most of my interviews, what sucks the most, but what is, what is it that is really more of a chore for you? You know, Andrea, frankly, I'm doing whatever I want to do now. I've come to the point in my life that, uh, that I teach, I teach at Carnegie Mellon, I teach a, you know, full course over there. I write, you know, I mean, uh, not only for the Washington Post, I, I write for several publications and I share my ideas that way. And then I give lectures all over the world. I mean, I have companies pay me ridiculous amounts of money to come and give talks. So uh, I do all of these things. And, and I, basically, I, I've come to the point that I have the luxury of doing what I want to, but it took a lot to get here. And, and again, my motivation isn't to make money anymore. I'll be happy to live on much, much less. I mean, I'm doing well now because people are paying me ridiculous speaking fees. But even if I didn't have that, I won't have it forever. I'll have it for a short period of time. And then I'll go back to just focusing on giving back to the world and teaching and inspiring. The reason why I write so much is because I want to teach people about what I know and share my knowledge. Anyone can do that right now. It doesn't have to be, you know, Fortune or Washington Post or anything. You can write, get on Medium or LinkedIn or there's so many outlets. You can start sharing your ideas and coming together to uplift the world. Everyone can do what I can do right now. You know, I have no special powers. I'm just a, a mere mortal over here. Everyone can do what I can do. I think you're far too modest and the, the depth of your knowledge and the breadth of your knowledge is really unique. And I think you're also gifted with words. And that actually is something that not a lot of people have. So while there are plenty of people who are talented, I do think that you are in a very special niche. And thank you so much for what for what you're doing to help educate the rest of us who don't have that depth of knowledge. Vivek, what is the best career advice you've ever gotten? Pursue your passion. Do what your heart says. I mean, when I was young, it, you know, it wasn't that simple because I was brought up in an Indian family in which you either became a doctor, engineer, or a businessman. That's those are the choices I was given, and I chose chose engineer because I was grossed out by by you know, you know dissecting animals. So it was it was very hard for me. I mean, I I had limited choices, but today the uh, people who are graduating have every choice in the world. You really can do anything. You can be anything you want. You can learn about any topic. Everything is available to you on the web. You can listen to podcasts. You can read books. You can download anything you want, videos. I mean, everything is available to you. Pursue your passion. Be what you want to be. Now, the word of caution over here, because I have a book that came out this week, which is, which is also 
about technology. It's the the, the title of the book is Your Happiness Was Hacked. How you know um, the technology industry stole our happiness and what we can do to get it, take it back is the theme of the book. Because we can also be addicted to technology. We can go too far with technology. So the message is that we can do a lot. Technology is wonderful up to a point where there needs to be a balance. But there's nothing holding anyone back from doing anything they wanted. There are no more excuses. Before, if you were you know a poor person in uh, Africa, you had no access to knowledge. You couldn't do anything. Today, anyone, anywhere can learn and, and uplift not only uh, their communities, but the world by learning about these technology advances I'm, I'm, I'm speaking about. Fantastic. And we're going to get into your book in the longer Time for Coffee interview for sure. So people will definitely want to tune into that. What movies, if any, or works of fiction accurately depict this profession? That's a hard question because movie, I mean, uh, every movie is out of touch. All the science fiction movies I watch, I sort of sit back and laugh at them <laughs> because they don't seem to understand what exponential means. I mean, again, if you read Driving the Driverless Car, you'll see how fast things are changing. No one seems to understand that we're headed to an era of unlimited clean and free energy. We're going to be able to 3D print all our wants and needs. We're going to have AI doctors. The computers are going to become smaller and faster. We're going to be in virtual reality worlds. All these things are coming. And science fiction doesn't seem to understand that you have either, you know, I mean, it's almost always dark that you see in the movies, uh, the dystopia. You know, we don't have any more Star Treks, which would inspire and motivate us anymore. So... Again, um, movies, I'm, I'm skeptical. It's good entertainment. Don't take it seriously as far as the profession goes. <laughs> Books are a better source of knowledge. Uh, and, and, and podcasts and videos on the web to learn about these things, they're a better source of knowledge than are the, the movies. And then final espresso shot. What would people be surprised to learn about your profession? That, you know, I talk about all of these things. I'm a computer programmer in my background. I mean, uh, you know, if you read my writings about uh, like genomics and medicine, I give I speak in front of medical conferences about the advances in medicine, and they think, "Oh my God, this guy is very smart." I speak in in, in terms to accountants and finance people about what's going to happen to finance, and they think this guy must be a financial genius. I'm not. I'm just a just a computer guy who happened to learn all these things and be able to put the pieces together. I can do it, and so can everyone else. I'm not smarter than the people listening to this. I just happen to have figured out that that these things are happening and and be able to put the pieces together. I have no special powers here. Vivek, thank you so much for making Time for Coffee with me today and the Time for Coffee community. Continued success in everything you do. Anytime, my friend. And and I wish you and, and and the listeners the best. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.